Welcome to the first episode of the Rock Show on YouTube Live, baby. We're live. All right. And this is a special preview episode. This episode will actually be up on the podcast March 15th for all you people ready to hear some hardcore rock and roll and uh, talking about albums. And uh, man, Rock and Mike put his uh, mind to it. He does a great show. And we got a special show. And this is episode 109 of The Rock Show. And goddamn, do we have an album for you. Mike, do the introduction of the album. What are we talking about today? Okay, everybody. I'm Rocker Mike. And uh, today we're talking about the making of the Rolling Stones, their Satanic Majesty's Request album. Uh, this is a very uh, somewhat controversial, somewhat... Uh, overlooked i think though lately it's gotten a lot more recognition uh as it got to about 50 years that it was released it came out uh december 8th 1967 and it kind of at the time uh it, it sold well in the beginning and then just kind of dropped off the map and uh over the years it's in the beginning it was kind of mixed reviews but over the years it's become more and more recognized as a as a classic. Um, some people originally kind of dismissed it as a, a poor derivative of, of Sergeant Pepper by the Beatles. Uh, Mike, but I, I think it stands by itself, you know. Well, I was going to. Yeah, ask I mean, they, they, was, there's similarities, but but you know, it was a period for the Stones that uh, was very brief. Okay, they only did this one album that, that could be considered psychedelic. Uh, it was right after a period where they did an album called Between the Buttons, which was kind of almost popish, more than the R&B stuff they were doing a couple of years earlier. So they had kind of evolved a little bit out of the R&B into this brief period of pop. Yeah, yeah. And it's, it was done by the same guy who did the, the cover for Sgt. Pepper. So, dude, you know, dude, you. And, Mike, you know what you said? I thought this was the Roddy Stone shitting on the Beatles Sgt. Pepper. You know, yeah, I, 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 I think that uh, there, there is a little bit of that. Okay. I mean, there, there's a little, they used to give little <laughs> digs to each other. I mean, all indications show they got along very well, but they used to do little digs to each other. Uh, I remember, uh, what, what was the album? Uh, the, the Beatles Revolver album, right? Yeah. And they were thinking of what to call it. And Ringo said, let's call it uh, After Geography. Because the, the Stones had the album Aftermath. <laughs> <laughs> after Geography. That would have been great. So, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But this Dude, is, I got to tell you one thing. You see our yeah. Revolver show? Oh, 6,000 uh, views. It's done very well. I'm very pleased with that show. Yeah. Uh, thank you for everybody who's listened to that. Um, their Satanic Majesty's Request is, is something that, you know, 
you really got to listen to. And uh, on YouTube, some people were very cool and they put up some, some uh, lyric videos with some psychedelic stuff so you could read the lyrics as you're listening to it. Um, oh, very cool. Yeah, yeah. All right, so let's just jump in and give a little insight on this because it's interesting. Um, like I said, the album came out December 8th, 1967, and it was recorded over February and October of that year, 1967, at Olympic Studios in London which is a place that they've you know, recorded in many times before and after that. Uh, Why did they first... like it so much? Was it easy for them to record or access? Is that just a place that they like going to record? I think it was, it was kind of state-of-the-art at the time. And it, it, had, okay. it, it had their, you know, everything they needed there, you know. Uh, and a lot of the best producers in the business were over there. So and, and it worked, I got for, it worked for them. Question. This came out on two different record labels. The, 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 the UK had a different record label and the US had. Is there a reason for that? Or that's just the way they got the distribution? It, it, it was distributed differently. I believe in, in America it was on London Records. Yeah, London Records. Okay. Yes. But it was the first album, I think. Yeah, it was the first album that was released by them. Um, without the British EP being, British LP being different okay. than the American LP. All right, that was something that uh, used to happen a lot. We saw it with yes. a lot of bands, the Kinks, the Stones, the Beatles. They would release things in the States and they would be a different, different tracks. There might be yeah. added tracks, subtracted tracks, totally different. So, you know, it was just a way to... Uh, market it you know they would probably they, they probably figured you'd buy it twice though i don't think too many people did that you know yeah um so the album is uh you know their answer to psychedelia which was emerging at that time in 67 okay um kind of 66 was the beginning of it uh revolver by the beatles like i just mentioned had you know probably one of the first psychedelic songs ever tomorrow never knows and they were a good six months ahead of time, really, before that whole thing really had, had hit the culture, okay, in America and Britain in the Western culture. Um, it, it was really just a brief period that they would deal with this, and they would evolve again out of, the, out of this period into, you know, the blues rock sound that you would hear on uh, Let It Bleed and Beggar's Banquet and Exile on Main Street and stuff like that, Sticky Fingers. This was a very brief period, just an experimental period. And um, the album was actually self-produced, and I think that was the first time they had done that. Uh, what do you mean by self-produced? That they did it themselves, no producer? Well, pr right, right. Prior to this, the Stones had Andrew Luke Oldham, okay? And Andrew Luke Oldham was their manager and producer okay and he kind of controlled what was going on in the studio this album um actually was a break from from Oldham. okay he was no longer involved with them anymore uh he was actually fed up with them they had a parting of ways let's put it that way if you if you know about the stones this is the period when they were dressing like uh you know fashion guys from carnaby street in England, in London, okay, where they had like like Richards was wearing the fur coats with the big sunglasses, and yeah, you know that whole that. with the stri 
the striped pants and that whole look. It was like before he got that rooster haircut that he would have a couple of years later. Uh, he still kind of he still kind of had a, like a bowl haircut with, but he was wearing like you know real fashionable modern clothes at the time. A lot of furs, a lot of elaborate stuff. Uh, they all were looking like that, and it was just a brief period. And uh, the excess was just beginning. Let's put it that way. All right. <laughs> <laughs> you know they were they were they were down with a lot of psychedelics, uh, LSD, and mushrooms and all kinds of shit the only guy who didn't the only guy who didn't really like that was bill wyman bill okay. wyman and i guess because he was about 10 years older than them nine yeah. years older than them so maybe he just felt it you know he was more of a drinker smoke a joint kind of thing than than getting into like acid but um when it came out critically it received mixed reviews uh, some saying, like I said, that it was a, a derivative of Sergeant Pepper, but yeah. I don't agree with I don't agree with that. I I I, I look. It's I've very said different. This before. I like it better than Sergeant Pepper. Yeah. I'm sorry if I offend anybody. I, I I actually, you know, I think as far as filler material and stuff, I think this. I don't know. I, it's just me. I just I just think it's a, a more interesting album. Not to knock Sergeant Pepper. But, you know, there's some great songs on there, too. But this is an album I like to listen to from beginning to end. Yeah, it's an easy Whereas, listen to. What's that? It's an easy listen to album, too. You know that? You can it is. Very easy. It is. And the songs aren't really that long. Yeah. Okay? Whereas the Beatles were starting to write longer songs at that time. So it's just more of like... It's more of a rock and roll record than you think it is. Yeah. You know what I mean? Even though it's psychedelic, where the Beatles took it a step further. I don't oh, think yeah. the Stones, I don't think the Stones really, you know, they, they weren't going to do something like a day in the life. They weren't going to do something, <laughs> you know, like that. Just have a big epic kind of, they're not, they're, they're not about that. Okay. No. You're lucky these guys can all be in the same room at the same time. Okay, to record this record, <laughs> and and actually, to be honest with you, that that didn't happen a whole lot when they were recording this, and the reason is is because they all had well, not all of them, but Keith and and Mick and Brian, okay, were all having problems with the law. Okay, they all had various drug busts that had gone on. Uh, Keith and Mick, Keith and Mick had done a little time, just a couple of days. Okay, but you know they they had these legal problems, so they were very very seldomly present all together at the same time when they recorded this and that kind of made the album longer to do longer to record and also it's it's a little disjointed okay it's kind of like pieced together in a way yeah that's uh, what i'm telling you what they do like mick came one day did the vocal and the other guys came did the guitar then the bass and then the drum yeah, yeah they would lay down I the guess, track somebody would come later do something else drum track bass track whatever and uh and then they mix it all to make the sound i guess right 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 and they you know they did it themselves and i don't think they had a whole lot of expertise at it. it's not a badly produced album i don't think uh I think it sounds pretty good. And the remasters of it are fantastic that have come out over the years. Yeah, um, the world would be better. Yeah, yeah. Now, the the problem also they had with this, like, uh, again, bringing up Bill Wyman, how he kind of 
was the adult in the room in a way. Uh, he wasn't really getting high on acid and stuff like that at this time. He would get a little upset when they recorded this because all the band members would show up with like 10 people. Okay, so yeah, you had like this fucking entourage come in, okay? And, you know, with, with a dozen people, it's very distracting. Um, the song In Another Land, which Bill Wyman actually sings, it's the only time he ever sang on a Stone song, okay? And you wouldn't even know it's him because it's it, there's so much effect on his voice, psychedelic effect. But it is Bill Wyman singing that song, and it wow. was released. It was released as a single, which I always thought was very ballsy of the Stones at that time to put that out as a single with Wyman sing. I always liked that. Um, he actually wrote that song. Okay, it was written as kind of a parody of what was going on at the time. Like, I think he thought he wanted to be in another land or something like that. Cause it was just chaos. <laughs> okay. In the studio. Now, um, what would happen is these guys would be getting high and, and really like by the time the album was completed, there was still a lot more work to do on it. Yeah. Okay. Cause it was done so disjointedly. Um, even Brian Jones, was asked like about a month, month or two before it came out, like, what do you got? And he's like, hey, we got nothing. <laughs> you know, it's just all over the place. So, <laughs> you know, it, that's what happens when you spend 15 hours a day tripping your mind out. You know what I mean? It's hard to make an album. So yeah. um, one thing about this album that's really interesting is they were experimenting with uh, many new instruments and sound effects as well. Um, there was something called a Mellotron, which is kind of like a, it's a keyboard, okay, but there's a tape mechanism inside. I don't know too much about it. You hear it on a lot of 60s records, uh, especially yeah. psychedelic sounding stuff. And uh, it, it's just a very unique kind of instrument, and they played that. They use it a lot on that record. They also used a theremin, which is another very interesting instrument. It's done using magnet and air and you play it with your hands wow. and you get that sound and uh it, you hear it a lot in like old 30s and 40s horror movies you know that like kind of sound yeah, yeah. you know that's that's a theremin okay and they use that on the album too now also um they were using effects like shortwave radio sounds on the album um string arrangements were done and they were done by future Led Zeppelin bass player, John Paul Jones. Whoa. Okay, so he was involved with the making of this album. Uh, Mick Jagger. Now, Mick Jagger hates this album. Okay. <laughs> uh, Keith Richards is not too fond of it either, but Jagger has called the album rubbish. He called it kind of like an organized chaos. Um, a lot of the album tracks had been kind of reworked and retitled right yeah. up to the end when they were ready to put out the album. Um, wow. For instance, like the song in another land yeah. was actually originally titled acid in the grass. Acid in the grass. Right. Two, uh, 2000 man, which is one of the best songs on the album was yeah, called. I want, I want people to know. I want okay. people to know. Uh, right. She's a rainbow which is probably yeah. the biggest hit off the album. That was originally titled Flowers in Your Bonnet. 
Wow. You know okay, what's so they, She's a rainbow is in the car commercial now, I think, right? Something uh -huh. it's, a, it's a weird car commercial. Yeah, yeah. That's a song that, um, you know, I've I, I followed the Stones all my life. I mean, it was a song that you never heard too much, okay? They didn't play a lot off this album on the radio over the years, classic rock stations. But now you hear She's a Rainbow more now in you things than you ever did. You know who loved that song? You know Lucy from the bar Lucy? She plays oh. that song all the time. Really? Really? If you ever go that, she will go. She She'll always play plays it. I, I must have just not realized that she loved it so much. One of her favorite songs. You play that, she'll go, oh, thank you, thank you. <laughs> <laughs> wow. wow. I hope she opens up soon. They, they, they've been close through this whole thing. Yeah. You know. But um, now, the original versions of the tracks have been bootlegged for years, okay, with these original titles. There was a lot of early demos and reworkings that made it out into the bootleg world. Okay. Um, and they can be heard on various collections that are out there. In 1998, there was an eight CD bootleg box set of these, all these outtakes. And it was released. Um, you can see the development kind of and the changes of the songs when you listen to this. I've heard some of this stuff, and you can see how the songs all developed. They start out different, but they work their way to what you know. And, yeah. you know, there was a store. Um, I don't know if you remember. It's not there anymore. Uh, Subterranean Records on yeah. 6th Avenue near the, the old Waverly Theater. Yeah, there was a bunch of record stores in that yeah. area. There was a store behind there on Cornelia Street, the street that runs behind there. And it was a yeah. record store you walked down into. That guy in there, I can't remember his name. Greg, maybe Dave. I can't remember his name, but I used to go in there a lot, and he had the best collection of Stones bootlegs that I ever saw. Okay, wow. and I remember one day in there talking with him. I spent like two hours in there just listening to stuff from this, and um, we were both like, "Wow, yeah, it's like crazy stuff." Um, and it's interesting. So if you get your hands on that stuff, check it out. Yeah, because this now, album is pretty much about 43 minutes, almost 44 minutes long. And all the song, it run. you know what? It's weird. It almost runs like a punk album because it's very quick music and that. Yeah. And it goes in a smooth transition. I really like the, uh, just like the way from the first song to the end. So it's just, I think that the way they picked the song was pretty, you know, each song gave each other song a credit, but... It was a nice flow. It was, I, I think, that the, yeah. drive, the way they listed the songs. Yeah, I mean, well, anytime, especially back in the day when you had vinyl, okay, you 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 had to figure out the uh, the song order, the selection, okay, because if you did it wrong, like you say, it wouldn't flow right, you know. And then there was things that you would want on side A as opposed to side B, you know. Like, remember, we were doing Raw Power last week. The record company demanded that the Stooges do two slow songs, one on side A, one on side B. Yeah, I found you know, that so weird. Well, the, the point of what I'm saying is when you had that format of, of the LP, okay, they, people used to really take a lot of time into the, uh, the order of things. 
you know, and I think that's I think that's kind of lost a little bit with CDs, though. I guess they could still consider the order, but you know, how many times you listen to CD on shuffle? You know, Not what I mean, too many times. Well, I, I used to, you know, yeah. listen to it on shuffle, and you know, sometimes you don't take it consider into consideration the order of the record, but yeah. definitely with something like this, which was. You know, psychedelic. They were trying to say something. I'm not sure what, but they were trying to say something with this album, I guess. Um, you know, the actual working title of the album was not "Their Satanic Majesty's Request." It was "Cosmic Christmas." Cosmic. That's a hard title. Yeah, I'm glad they didn't call it that. Cosmic but do you know Christmas. how they? Do you know how they got the name? No, how they got the name? Okay. Cause they got a hidden truck. They got a hidden truck called Cos Cosmic Christmas, isn't it? It's not a hidden track. It, it was it was on a, a, a the original bootlegs and stuff. There's something yeah. where you could hear. I think it's Bill Wyman saying like, "We wish you a Merry Christmas. We wish you a yeah. Cosmic Christmas." It sounds like, like a but seven, that, it sounds like a seven um seven fifty eight. We wish you a Cosmic Christmas. Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> But the idea of um, calling it their Satanic Majesty's Request comes from what's on a British passport. Well, if you look at a British passport, it says Her Britannic Majesty Request. Ooh, I never knew that. Okay. So they, they changed it to their Satanic Majesty's Request. Okay. Yeah. Now, the album cover is iconic. Okay. And yeah. It went through some different ideas okay originally they were thinking of having mick jagger nailed to a cross <laughs> okay and the, the record label said no you're not doing that okay and <laughs> that's a little bit in bad taste you know yeah that's so not good. they they the record company rejected that and then they all agreed on uh the the michael cooper photograph Michael Cooper is uh, uh, the guy who did the, the photo for Sergeant Pepper. Um, uh, Pepper had, if you look at the album cover for Pepper, it had a picture of a Shirley Temple doll, and the doll is wearing a shirt that says, Welcome, Rolling Stones. <laughs> okay. So what they did is they actually, if you look at the picture of Satanic Majesty's Request, there's actually a picture of all four Beatles on that album you gotta look for it but it's on the cover in that whole thing um that was just kind of as a response to you know what they did with the stones on their album cover now uh originally the album came out with the photo in 3d okay did now a lot of re-releases since then they don't include that so you no. might not have ever seen that before but when it came out originally in 67 it, th that photograph was like in the middle of the album cover. It wasn't, they wanted it to be the whole album cover. But the 3D technology was expensive to make that kind of thing. So they yeah. kept it smaller and they have that blue and white border around it that's kind of thick. Okay. So you have that image was in 3D. Okay. But it was just small in the center okay now um like i said earlier when the album was released in december of 67 it got to number three in the uk 
and to number two in the U.S., which is great. But they then it just dropped. It just dropped off the map. I mean, I think in those days, if the Stones had put out a blank record, it would have went to number one. Okay, for one week. Okay, and that's that's how it was with uh, with this album. It kind of just dropped out of sight, and then they went into a totally different direction less than a year later. Yeah, but they came out with Beggar's uh, Banquet, right? That was yeah, Beggar's one. Banquet came out in 68. This came out the end of 67. So yeah, they so were they, already, yeah. I mean, they, they, and they put out a compilation, I believe, uh, if I remember right, I think Flowers, that compilation had come out in between. They just put out something, you know, to hold people off. But uh, Beggar's Banquet's a totally different album. They, 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 that was, to me, the beginning of really what the Stones would have become, that album. Yeah. But, you know, um, two singles were released from this album, uh, In Another Land and yep. She's a Rainbow. Okay. Yep. Uh, In Another Land got to number 87 on Billboard and She's a Rainbow got to number 25. So it was a modest hit. Okay. On an album that made it to number two. I mean, it really, you can't, you can't call it a bomb. Okay. But it just, it just dropped off the map, you know, kind of quick. That was the problem. Mike, let um, me ask you a question. I think anything the uh, Rolling Stone would have taken out would have gone top, top 20 within a week and maybe drop off, but it would have gone to the top. Yes, without a doubt. Uh, you know? They were so popular at that point. And they were kind of like, in 67, they really weren't touring much. Okay. Uh, the last time they had been to the States was in 66, and they wouldn't come back to the States again until 69. So this was a period where there was a lot going on. They had legal problems. Okay. They had Brian Jones problems. Okay. Uh, Brian Jones would pass away in this period. Okay. By 69, he would, yeah. he would pass away. Um, there's an interesting documentary. I, I, I sent it to you. Did you watch it? The one under yeah. review? I didn't get, but I got it down as one of the things that I need to watch. Yeah, it's uh, under review, sixty-seven through sixty-nine. Yeah, I saw and, that. Uh, yeah, it's it, it's interesting because um, one of the narrators brings up a point how this period is kind of like the Stones' second wave. Okay, you know their first wave was, you know, earlier, sixty-three, yeah. sixty-four, sixty-five, sixty-six, uh, but then now they're they're they have kind of an experimental pop phase on between the buttons, which yeah. is, you know, I, I was thinking, I was thinking about doing a making of between the buttons instead of this. Okay. Yeah, but, the buttons would have been great. That's a good album. Too. That's it's a great album. And it's also another album that, you know, some people really love and some people really hate. Mick Jagger does not like anything off between the buttons. They don't wow. do anything off that album. Occasionally they'll do the song Connection, which is yeah. a Keith Richards Keith Richards sings it. I've seen them do that live. Okay. But I think that's because it's a Richards song. But everything else on there, they don't really do. And there's some there's some great tracks on that album. But that was a brief period with, with that kind of a pop British pop kind of thing. Then they went into the psychedelic and then they would go into the blues. So a lot of changes through that 67 through 69 period. Now, um, 
Keith Richards himself has always been critical of Satanic Majesty's request. Um, he really only likes She's a Rainbow and 2,000 Light Years from Home. Yeah, that's a good okay. song, too. Uh, yeah, I mean, he's on the record saying the rest of the album is a load of crap. Okay. <laughs> I don't agree with you there, Keith, but okay. You know, but hey, you know, sometimes somebody's crap is somebody else's masterpiece, you know? I think this but, is an album they, they did to just fill in. I got, we need to take an album. We got a deal. Let's take out this album and they said, let's play with it. And then when they took out when they took out uh, Baker's uh, banquet, I think that's a great album. I think that's what turned out to be Throwing Stones after Wild Years. Yeah, they all came together. You know that that stretch from uh, Beggar's Banquet all the way to like Goat's Head Soup into the yeah. early seventies. I mean, there's not a bad song. There's not a it's bad rock, album. It's, and it's rock and roll. It's all rock oh, and roll. Totally, totally, and. You know, they, they, they had so many influences, blues, country, so many different things going into their music, and they just spit it out into this new form of, of rock and roll. I mean, like, that's amazing. But, you know, you look at this little <laughs> little cosmic Christmas, okay, the cosmic yeah. Christmas of, of, of this album, uh, <laughs> Satanic Majesty's Request. It's, it, to me, it's, it's, it's a masterpiece. It is, all right, in its own, in its own way. Okay, you know, is it as good as things they did before or after? No, but the fact that they went this direction, they had the balls to do it. Okay, yeah. and and actually, it wasn't. They weren't meant to be a psychedelic band. Okay, no. but they gave it a shot, and it was of that time. So you know, when you listen to it. Yeah, they did it to be like, you know what? Let's do something different. We've been doing this for a while. Let's try something else. If it fails, it fails. If it does good, all right, we did it. And that's it. They didn't care. It's like they just went in there. Let's put something down. Let's do something. Yeah. Now, I got to be part of a little bit of uh, Stone's history with this album. Because uh -oh. I was there on the Steel Wheels tour, okay, in 89, when they did all the shows at uh at Shea Stadium, it was like five nights in a row, or almost in a row. Um, crazy out there, right? Was yeah. Uh, li remember the band Living Color? Yeah, they opened up. Okay. Oh my God. Uh, yeah, yeah, and uh, they were good. And I went to see the Stones. It was the first time I had ever seen them, and they were bringing out Two Thousand Light Years from Home live for the first time ever, ever. Wow. They had never performed it live except on that tour. Uh, it was the first time they ever brought it out. Um, they'd had like this cool light show in the stadium with it. And uh, I remember Jagger saying, well, we're going to, you know, we're going to give this a shot. We have never done this before, you know, and I couldn't <coughs> believe it. It sounded, it sounded just like the fucking album. They did it like. That got to be just hard. Like, it is. Well, I mean, I saw uh, McCartney live in 2011 at Yankee Stadium. And when he did the tracks from Sgt. Pepper, I, it blew my mind because wow. it's so hard to produce that live. Yeah. But but he did it. I mean, I don't know how, okay? I mean, I felt like I was listening to the app. Now, he obviously, John Lennon is no longer with us. And when, when McCartney sang A Day in the Life, which John used to sing, okay, it sounded, other than that, it sounded like the fucking album. 
It it, it wow. just did. You know, at Yankee Stadium with a big crowd like that, that was that was amazing. But again, uh, two thousand light years from home was a track that you never even really heard on the radio. You had to be like a big Stones fan to know it. Okay, yeah. not a, a casual Stones fan wouldn't know that song at that time. And uh, yeah. they they brought it out. They had a cool light show. Uh, they've also done She's a Rainbow a little bit here and there over the years. Uh, but that was only in the last, like, maybe 20, 30 years. From the 60s to the 80s, they didn't touch that album. They just dropped wow. it. They didn't do it. They never did it live, you know. Now, um, since but the late also, set, what's that, Rob? They also had a lot of help. They had a lot of many other musicians with this album. People don't know that also. But they had many different other musicians. They even had backup singers like they did this was like a big fucking uh, production believe it or not yeah um I'm, I'm not i can't say i know who is on that album entirely uh there's not a lot of credit given on that no um you know with the stones it could be anybody would pop into the studio okay yeah, that's they probably yeah yeah they, I, I i would think that maybe marianne faithful did some backup because she was Still with Jagger at that point? Uh, not sure. That's a good question. Uh, I've never seen who helped on that album. Uh, we know John Paul Jones did some of the string arrangements. Yeah. Okay. And at that time, he was a he was a sessions musician too. Okay. Yeah. Um, so was Paige. That's called Ronnie but, Lane. Ronnie Lane. Ronnie Lane plays on that album. Uh, yeah, he's a he's a backup singer. Backup singer. Oh, okay. Yeah, okay. Yeah. Steve, I mean, I'm sure. Steve look, Marriott. Steve Marriott was a backup singer then too. Okay. Well, I'm glad you brought that up because I didn't know that. Okay. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I mean, they, they, these were. This was a time when they would bring it. Well, they were bringing their big entourages into the studio. Maybe Marriott was hanging out. Okay. That's what it makes sense. Ronnie Steve Lane was, was yeah, out. probably hanging out, getting high, whatever. And, you know, that's, let me throw a little backing vocal on the album. You don't have to pay me. I'll just be on it, you know? I'll just be that's on good. it, yeah. Yeah. Now, since the late 70s, there's been like a major critical reassessment about this album. When it came out, it was, nobody really knew what to make of it. Some gave it bad reviews, some gave it lukewarm reviews. A few people gave it good reviews, but it just was very mixed. But since the 70s, it's kind of been reassessed that, you know, even though the psychedelic sound wasn't for the Stones and it wasn't what they were about, uh, they were still great songs. Okay. And in the 70s, you had uh, Kiss covered 2000 Man for the Dynasty album that came out in 79. Ace Freely sang that song. Wow. Okay, he, they do they do a great version of it, great heavier, you know, because it's kind of an acoustic, you know, softer kind of song, uh, and he does it very heavy. But um, that was for the Dynasty album in '79. I'm sure you Kiss fans know. Um, and they actually brought it back on the Kiss Unplugged album in '96. They did it. They did it unplugged as well. Um. Satanic Majesty's Request, it's been released and re-released many times over the years. Uh, probably the 50th anniversary in 2017 is the best collection to get 
it's still kind of on my bucket list. I don't have it yet. Uh, it's a little pricey, but I'm working on it. How much uh, will it cost? What's about the cost? How much does it cost right now? About I think, it's about, I think it's about 200 give or take. Yeah. Okay. Um, it's a vinyl and CD collection. Okay. Wow. And what they did with it is they, they two, two vinyl uh, records. One is a remastered version of the album. And then they have a mono version of it. Okay. Which oh. I thought was interesting because... I'm pretty sure it was never released in mono in the first place. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Um, I think it never, I, I, I'm pretty sure if there's anyone out to wants to correct me, I'll be happy to be corrected. I think that that album and then the albums after that were never released in mono. The stuff earlier was, right. and there's a big, you know, there's a big scene with that. Like um, the Beatles put out, all their early stuff on mono and some people swear that's the way to listen to the beatles in mono okay Th this album i think it, you know they didn't have a mono um they didn't remaster the mono okay from an original mono tracks okay i think it was something that was created for this 50th anniversary disc if i'm wrong anybody be happy to correct me i'm pretty sure that's what it was because there's a there's a a following people there's people out there that really love the mono stuff. I'm kind of like. Have you heard that? Have you heard that version of the mono version of Satanic Majesty's request? Yeah. yeah, I haven't heard. I gotta look that up. Yeah, yeah, it's it's cool. It's cool. It's you know you know what's cool in mono if you're into that uh, Beach Boys the Beach Boys album Pet Sounds. Okay. Okay. And that's one we're going to do a, uh, a show on one day because uh, uh, Brian Wilson was out of his fucking mind when he made that album. But We uh, haven't even done the Beach Boys yet. No, that's we haven't. We should. We should, we should. we should go there. They're a very important band. We talked about uh, the Beach Boy and the Charles Manson. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but it's very, it's very interesting. Um, they, re they released the Ramones' first album, debut album, in mono. I have that. Oh. And uh, I have it side by side with the, the remastered stereo version. And yeah. mono was something that the Ramones always wanted to do. They wanted to do a mono and a stereo version, but they never, yeah. the record company would never give them the money to do it. Nah, you know, just do one nah. version. Because, yeah, exactly. And by the time the Stones did that, uh, Satanic Majesty's Request album, the the idea of having a mono and a stereo album was starting to go away. They were just yeah. making stereo at that point. So that's all I got for you today, Mr. Rossi. Satanic Very Majesty's good, Request. Mm -hmm. Very good today, man. So, so far, the, uh, it continues, man. Last week we had uh, Roll Power, right? That was the first right. time we started. Then we had uh, the first. Then we had our uh, morning, which holy shit! And then uh, we move on. We got two more albums for this month of uh, of uh, the making of. Uh, the next one is the New York Dolls, and you're like a New York Doll historian almost. So that should be a good show. Yeah, yeah, and I just want to mention too that I don't know if anybody's noticed the uh, the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame inductee list. And yeah. they they they're hopefully going to get in, okay? They were voted in uh, 
they were voted to try to get in back in I think 2000 or 2001, and they didn't make it. And so now it's the second time around, 20 years later, and uh, I got a feeling they're going to get in this time. Uh, you know, Sylvain Sylvain just passed. Yeah. Uh, you know, David Joe is the only one left. I'm curious to see what he would say. I, I kind of, I don't want to shit on anybody just yet. I don't know what he's going to say if they got in, if they get in. But let's hope they get in. They deserve. You know it. who else is going in, right? You know who else is on there. We just did a show on them. Uh, Iron Maiden. Well, oh yeah, yes, yes, yeah. Iron Maiden is getting. They're actually getting in, right? They're getting in. Yeah, they're, they're in. They're not. Yeah. The, the the dolls are part of that group that I think has to be voted in by fans or something. I'm not sure how that works. If you get any if you can find something to vote it in by fan, you should put it up and we can we can spread it out. I'll find out how that works. I'll let you know. But that yeah. wouldn't be bad. Yeah. And then the last week we have is the uh the debut album by REM called Murmur. We're gonna talk about Murmur, the making yeah. of that. And uh, April and May, we got some great shows, too. We're going to do a show yeah. about DJ John Peel. We're doing a show about the Jesus and Mary chain. Oh, that's going to be uh, great. Yeah, yeah. I'm really looking forward to that. So, okay, Mr. Rossi. Uh, if anybody's looking for me, you can find me on Facebook under Michael Baker. Uh, also on Facebook, the Rock Show Podcast group page that me and you run. Also, uh, I am on uh, Instagram, RockerMike212. I'm on MeWe under RockerMike, and I'm on CloutHub under RockerMike. I uh, was Parler is gone, and I was knocked off of Twitter. But if I'm back by the time this is on, it's RockerMike3 on Twitter. I just can't post nothing yet right now. And you're on Instagram also, RockerMike212. Yeah. Um. Another thing. Um. I think um I think I might have to get to uh sound sound soundcloud. You gotta sign up for it. Cl How you do that? Cloud Cloud Hub, it's called Cloud Hub. Club Hub? Cloud. Cloud Hub. What's that? Like another record thing or another what is it? It's like a website? What is no, it? No, Cloud 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 Hub is another uh it's just another social media site. It's kinda like Twitter and Facebook kind of mixed together. Oh, I didn't know that. All right. That's good to know. Yeah, it's it's just another one of these sites that people have been going to because of all the censorship and everything. Okay. Not bad. So, and uh, if you guys want to find me, you can look me up on Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, YouTube, and anything getting lumped up. We also got the the web, the, the fucking uh, website we got. Another thing that we have are the t-shirts. Sponsor the show by getting a t-shirt and so on and so on. You people know the stick. And from us to you, thank you for all the support so far. We were 101 in um, Great Britain on uh, the top podcast. And uh, yeah. we're just working our way, getting the numbers up, trying to get good shows. Um, a lot of stuff is coming in for uh, 2021. You're going to see the, the whole empire start growing a little bigger. Like... In order to get an empire, you started very small. You take over land after land after land until you have a freaking kingdom. <laughs> One lumped up nation at a time. <laughs> One lumped up nation at a time. And and I also like to say, guys, the national anthem is back on Channel 11 every day at 3.58 if you're up. 
Channel 11, they have great different version of the national anthem every day. It's about a minute and 58 seconds. And if you're up, you're going to take a pee, turn on your TV. The CW has the national anthem so far every day. I've been pretty impressed. I've been waking up and catching it so far every time because I'm like, I'm, I'm, I'm a lunatic. I don't that's, really sleep. <laughs> that's, that, that's true. You never sleep. I'm always texting you in the middle of the night. Yeah, um, it's great. It's great to see the national anthem. Being that's like the like old that. days. That's yeah. like the old days. I like that. Yeah, that, that you you know you when last time you even seen that. I didn't think anybody played the national anthem. They used to play before they went Every out, night. and there was no broadcast. Remember that they used to shut. It TV was just down it would just shut off. You get snow. Yeah, the snow yeah, for the next couple of hours. Snow like remember how those days the, the, the TV would stop. Yeah, there were there only a couple of channels. End. And then by six o'clock, <laughs> boom, come back on. <laughs> yeah, pop one, watch a little banana splits or something on Channel Five. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> All, All right, right Rob. So, so what do we always say? Don't get drunk. Get lumped up. See you next week, guys. Take care, people. Let's get lumped up on the rock show.